0: Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Embry. I'm the co-director of the Sports Cardiology Center at the Cleveland Clinic.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Timana Singh. I'm also a co-director of our Sports Cardiology Center.
0: We'd like to spend a few minutes uh, talking with you about sudden cardiac arrest and sudden cardiac death, particularly in athletes. Um, so, Dr. Singh, um, remind us as we get started the difference between a cardiac arrest and a heart attack.
1: Sure. So, cardiac arrest specifically speaks to the electrical abnormalities that we can see that can precipitate cardiac death. So, specifically, ventricular rhythms like ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. Whereas a heart attack or an MI is specifically going to be correlating to abnormalities and perfusion of um, a specific part of the heart muscle that could then subsequently lead to an abnormal ventricular rhythm and possibly cardiac arrest and death.
0: So when we're talking about sudden cardiac arrest in athletes, you know, we see a lot of athletes go down on the field for various reasons. What should um, a, a trainer or a medical professional that's covering a game start to think about when they see an athlete go down um, ver- versus you know, a hit versus sudden cardiac arrest?
1: Yeah. So I mean, the immediate difference you're going to see is that person's not going to get up or they might get up and then kind of falter here and there depending upon what's going on and then go down and just not respond. So the response is going to be very similar to what you will do in a hospital if you see someone... Gone down, you know, you will be calling for help. Fortunately, in a lot of these competitive leagues, um, and you know, even our recreational teams, there's an emergency action plan that allows for people to know what the steps are going to be to provide adequate and timely resuscitation of the athlete. So we immediately want to start CPR. Um, we want to start high-quality chest compressions. Help. Uh, with breathing, if they require intubation, if the patient remains unconscious, get an external defibrillator. If you're concerned that it could be a cardiac arrest, apply the pads, turn the device on. Uh, and if it is a shockable rhythm, you know we could save that athlete's life.
0: And I think one of the important lessons is, is if an athlete goes down on the field, you should assume it's cardiac arrest until proven otherwise. It may be quick for you to decide that it's not cardiac arrest, but if it is that sort of time frame or delay that may have be there if you don't um, could be detrimental because prompt defibrillation in the setting of cardiac arrest from ventricular fibrillation is what saved lives with a dramatic decrease in survivability for every minute delay that you don't um, restore spontaneous circulation. Moving past a sort of emergency action plan and how important that is to have a rehearsed well-organized emergency action plan. What what are our our next steps after hospitalization if you survive the sudden cardiac arrest, or even if you don't, to try to elucidate an etiology?
1: So we wanna think about uh, the basic causes for cardiac arrest and cardiac death so when individuals do come into the hospital they're going to be going through aggressive cardiac testing which will include imaging like echocardiography usually mri or ct as well as cardiac catheterization to elicit whether or not the coronary arteries were involved in the arrest at all and the etiologies are also going to be differentiated upon the age of the athlete you know when athletes are younger typically less than 35 we're looking at probable genetic or congenital abnormalities so things like coronary anomalies or some sort of cardiomyopathy. Hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is something I think a lot of providers outside of cardiology are aware of. Um, There's other cardiomyopathies as well, arrhythmogenic cardiomyopathy, idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy. So what I'm getting at is we want to see if it's a heart muscle that caused the problem, if it was some of something a part of the electrical circuitry causing a problem so perhaps a channelopathy um, or if it's something that's correlating to the coronary artery so coronary anomalies in younger individuals and then we typically think of coronary artery disease in our master's athletes for those above 35 to 40 years old. Uh, once we figure out what the actual cause is and you know I think Dr. Emery are great at explaining you know we never always know what the causes of every possible sudden cardiac arrest and death, and we can talk about that a little further. That's gonna delineate what our treatment strategy is going to entail, whether it's gonna be medications, uh, sport restriction, the need for a defibrillator, an implanted defibrillator to help um, prevent any other future arrests and whatnot.
0: I think it's important to also realize and acknowledge that despite everything we can do, we don't always figure out the cause of a sudden cardiac arrest despite all of our imaging techniques and genetic techniques and so on, we can't always figure it out. Um, and that's been borne out in the literature uh, as of late as well. Um, so that leads us then to the question we often get as like, well, should we be screening more aggressively then? Is that going to prevent all these sudden cardiac deaths? What are your thoughts on that, Dr. Singh?
1: You know, I think you brought up an excellent point. So screening and, you know, I think think what I will start with is EKG screening, just because that's something that a lot of us are well aware of from a recreational professional standpoint, does not necessarily catch all of the causes of cardiac arrest and death. Um, What I'm speaking to are things like coronary anomalies. You can't see coronary anatomy on an EKG. Um, And sometimes even cardiomyopathies, we may not see some suggestion of a structural issue on an EKG. So, you know, from the data that we have gathered, there's quite controversy about whether EKG screening is more beneficial uh, with respect to identifying at risk athletes versus does it lead to more diagnostic testing that may not be necessary. I think the most important thing outside of screening is making sure that we've delineated what an athlete's family history is, whether or not they've had symptoms even before you know any such thing may occur, and just identifying what their risk is with that particular context more so than just a piece of paper.
0: Screening yes, should always start with a history and physical exam using the AHA 14 points or the, the fifth PPE which is now out, um, which are very structured with regards to the cardiac evaluation. Adding an ECG or other imaging um, ought to be a very thought, well thought out discussion amongst healthcare providers that are taking care of an athletic population because it is still controversial and we will acknowledge that. But regardless of the controversy in screening, I'm gonna bring it back to where there is zero controversy and that's an emergency action plan because we know we can't detect any, everything. We always want to be ready for what if and emergency action plans clearly save lives and we don't want to, to leave that out.
1: No, excellent point Dr. Emery and I think one thing that you can do for yourself or your family and your friends is really stress upon the importance of getting comfortable um, with recognizing individuals who may be arresting and understanding what to do in those situations. You know, I think as medical providers, you know, we're really privileged to have the experience and constantly undergo, you know, a lot of educational sessions, uh, retraining us to learn how to do effective CPR. But there's a lot of tools out there. You know, we as providers, you know, I think, uh, you know, I personally try to stress that athletes learn how to do CPR coaches, parents, friends, we have a lot of tools, whether they be online, whether they be in person, even at our airport, you know, there's stations to learn how to do high quality CPR. And I think one of the other things, um, you know, Dr. Emory always brings this up is really get comfortable with knowing how to use an external defibrillator, right?
0: Yeah. It's more likely that a person who's trained in CPR, even familiar with CPR is going to do it on a bystander than they are an athlete. But still, having those emergency action plans for you, for your family, for your friends are so important. Um, you know, let's talk about now we've had an athlete arrest, they've survived, we've determined or not determined an etiology, but now there's the
1: discussion about what to do next. Can they go back to play after an arrest? What are your thoughts on that? it really depends. Um, You know, it depends upon the cause, depends upon the player's goals, and it depends upon safety. And I think that's where the importance of shared decision-making among the provider, the patient, perhaps the patient athlete's parents, if that individual is a minor, any stakeholders who are also involved within that sport field. it's, It's really a comprehensive decision about safety, balancing risk, and then obviously, you know, what the goals are.
0: Yeah, those are very personal Mm -hmm. discussions. They really are very long and personal discussions, as they should be, because this is a big uh, decision and discussion between not only the athlete, but the family and potentially the school and everyone else involved. So those aren't blanket statements that we can ever make. They're, They're very personalized discussions that require expertise and knowledge in both the sport and the disease states that that may have affected that that young athlete. So, you know, as um, you know, Sports Cardiology Center here at the Cleveland Clinic, we're we're happy to discuss these kinds of cases with you uh, in the future, um, Doctor Singh. Any last thoughts or comments?
1: No, yeah, I think just reach out to us if you ever have any questions about athletes. If you have questions about emergency action plans, if you're involved with you know the sports within your community, um, if you have any questions about you know tools that you can. Um, disperse either to your patients or to your support systems about learning effective CPR and getting comfortable with using an external disability. We're here to, to help you out. And then I think final point is, you know, always remember that, you know, these things do affect us physically, but they can also affect us mentally. So if you've witnessed cardiac arrest yourself or, you know, of people who have witnessed them or experienced them, it's really important to talk about them, um, you know, kind of get through your feelings about what happened, work through those emotions and process just to make sure that you, you know, can kind of regain some psychological well-being after because these things impact us I think from patient to provider.
0: Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org
1: slash cardiac consult podcast.